One of the ultimate achievements in baseball is to lead in every offensive category in batting. So runs batted in, uh, home runs, as well as batting average. This is known in baseball as the Triple Crown. It has only been done in the history of baseball 14 times. The last time it was done by Miguel Cabrera in 2012, and before that, Carl Yastrzemski in 1967. Three unique expressions of baseball power production in one hitter, and that's why it's so rare. Well, today is Trinity Sunday, and on this day, Christians around the world celebrate and explore the mystery of the Holy Trinity, one God, three persons. Now, to be honest, there's no human analogy that can fully illustrate the Holy Trinity, and many have tried. Our statement of faith here at OTCC describes the Trinity in the following way. God is one and only true God, and yet the Godhead is revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world does the passage in Genesis that we heard Brian read earlier have to do with the Trinity? Well, in classic Christian theology, we see the Trinity at work in creation. So, for example, the fourth word in the Bible, it refers to God the Father, in the beginning, God. And the Greek word here, or excuse me, the Hebrew word is Elohim, which is plural. Okay, so there's our first clue. And then verse 2 tells us the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's God, the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be saying, okay, I've, I've got two out of three, two out of three, not bad necessarily. And you may be asking, but where in the world is the third one? Where is Jesus? And so we look at verse 3, and verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, if you fast forward to the Gospels, you may remember that John, the Gospel writer, opened his Gospel in this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right there from the beginning. Now, to be sure, biblical interpreters have debated whether or not that was the actual author's intent. But theologians theologians generally accept this view, and I'm glad. Because I think, I'm so glad because I think this point of view of the essence and nature of God, I think the exploration and the celebration of the Holy Trinity of God is just what we need in our world right now on June 7th, 2020. Why? Well, the Bible opens with what Genesis scholar John Walton describes as a simple, but majestic account of God's bringing order to the cosmos. As the text unfolds in Genesis 1, we see a theological affirmation that results in a picture of an ordered, purposeful cosmos with God at the helm, masterfully guiding its course. The cosmos functions just as it was designed to function. It was good. 
People are portrayed as the pinnacle of creation, endowed with dignity as those made in the image of the Creator. They are made in order to serve God, not as slaves, Walton writes, but as partners whom he delegates to do his work in the world. They enjoy his favor, and he provides what they need. By the way, the Bible is never concerned with scientific proofs or theories about creation. Simply the theological declaration that God's sovereign work and role as the creator is what the Hebrew writer is trying to get across. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit brings order out of a primordial deep and the pinnacle of creation is humankind, his image bearers in the world today. Every single person in the world today bears the image of God. Every single person, regardless of where they live or the color of their skin, bears the image of God. Every single person, without regard to their education, heritage, or social standing, bears the image of God. The image of God lives on Main Street and Wall Street. Here in D.C., it lives in the corridors of power and the corridors of public housing. The image of God is detained in camps along the southern border, and the image of God exists in the camps of power brokers and those who may be struggling to hold on to the status quo. Genesis 1 tells us, as humankind, we bear the image of God. But you know how the story goes, don't you? Genesis 3 reminds us that when sin entered the world, we marred and we scarred that sacred image and the sad, painful reality that we've seen so much throughout the history of humankind, but that we've seen so much playing out in our nation is that it begins to cover over that beautiful image and it begins to obscure that beautiful image. Like years of decay and dirt and grime, can keep a structure from looking like it did at the beginning, sin keeps us from looking and acting the way that God intended for us to act. The racism and bigotry that we see in our world today is the result of sin building up over the eyes of our hearts. And it not only keeps us from bearing the image of God as it is meant to be, but it keeps us from seeing others as image bearers of God. But my friends... I have good news today. I come bearing hope this morning. It may be a faint hope at times, but I come bearing hope. Father, Son, and Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, worked and weaved and willed this beautiful planet into being. And just as the Holy Trinity did that, the Father, Son, and Spirit are at work right now right now working and weaving and willing a new creation into being. Can you see it? I can see it. I can see it in the love of the Father. At times when I read the Bible, I just get this sense that the writers struggle to contain themselves when they try to describe the Father's love. Isaiah wrote, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, 
says the Lord who has compassion on you. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Zephaniah 3.17, one of the most poetic and beautiful verses in the Hebrew Scriptures, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. How many of your parents, how many parents have you been singing over your children. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And finally, John just says, you know what? God is love. God is love. I see the dance of the Father's love being poured out over our world today. I see it in the faces of healthcare workers as, the, as they care for the dying from COVID-19, as they hold the hands of loved ones standing in the place where family can't stand. I see it in the faces of mothers protesting the death of George Floyd, who cried out for his mother as the knee was on his neck. I see the love of God expressed in righteous anger by our brothers and sisters of color who are turning over the metaphorical tables in the temples of an unjust justice system, saying enough is enough. I see the love of God when white people take a knee in solidarity with their brothers and sisters of colors, color as they say, I hear you. I want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the pain. Can you see it? We need it, Lord, more than ever. But I can see the love of the Father. The same Father who gave His Son to die a death He did not deserve so that we might live to love as He first loved us. You know, most of us would admit that we need to go to a place of repentance this morning for unjust attitudes and thoughts. I've done my own soul searching over the past few weeks. Here's what's so beautiful. On the other side of repentance is the unhindered ability to reflect the love of God. On the other side of repentance is the unhindered ability to reflect the love of God. God not only pours out his love on us even while we were still sinners, when we repent, we become channels and carriers of his love. And love is a lot easier to carry than hate. A lot easier. I see the Father, Son, and Spirit working, weaving, dancing, and willing a new creation into being through the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ. I once heard someone say that wherever you find the intersection of God and human need, there you will find grace. Michael Horton wrote, In grace, God gives nothing less than himself. Grace, then, is not a third thing or substance mediating between God and sinners, but is Jesus Christ in redeeming action. You know, the status quo in our world runs by the concept of karma. Even people who don't have the faintest idea about Hinduism or Buddhism say, wow, I don't want anything to do with any bad karma. The concept of karma is you get what you deserve. Someone may say, I tripped down the stairs and it must have been bad karma because I told a lie one day. Grace is the opposite. With grace, God gives us, yes, sinners, God gives us his unmerited favor though we have not deserved it. 
And that's one of the powerful concepts of grace throughout Scripture. Another concept of grace in the Bible is reflected in the Greek word charis, from which we ultimately get our English word charity. It is kindness in meeting the needs of others. Well, I I asked you at the beginning of our time today to ponder two questions. How have you seen grace at work over the past week? And how do you want to see and need to see grace at work in the coming week? And let me just ask Brian if uh, anybody put any answers in the chat room. Brian, do we have any uh, suggestions this morning? Uh, We don't have any suggestions yet. So that means we need you to type in some of your suggestions in the chat room in order for this little interactive exercise to work. Or I'm going to put the four people in this room on the spot this morning. Brian, do we have any answers yet? No, but feel free to drop in the chat where they are there. And so Brian tells us to feel free to drop into the chat whenever um, you uh, feel so led. Well, how have we seen grace at work in the past week? Well, let me tell you one of the ways I've seen grace at work. I have seen people mobilized to meet the needs of others, people that they don't know, people that they may never cross the paths again. But we see people lifting others up. I've been walking throughout Old Town a little extra this past week, and I'm just going to tell you, I see and I notice people giving more uh, care and concern for one another, more room for each other in even passing conversations. And I see grace at work. I see the desire to meet people where they are on level ground and begin to form relationships and conversation. Brian, do we have any in the chat room yet? (laughs) Brian, how have you seen grace at work over the past week? Well, I can think of a, a few. One is I was driving and I saw a sign that said masks with an arrow. And I thought, wow, someone's being nice and entrepreneurial you know, making masks and selling them now. And I followed the signs, and someone had a clothesline out in their front yard wow. where they just put the masks and said, thank you, healthcare workers, thank you, essential workers. Wow. Anyone who needs this can take it. Wow, that is really kindness. That is, that is grace offering blessings to others. Uh, you know, uh, the second question of, of how do we need to see grace at work next week, let me just make uh, one suggestion. Um, we are God's representatives right? We are love in action. We are grace at work in the world. And as our nation has been uh, gripped and and some would say awakened to a new reality, uh, no doubt a reality that, that has needed to be tended to for centuries, but as many in our, our nation have been awakened to the new reality of the pain of racism in our world and for our brothers and sisters of color, I'm so hoping that we start seeing grace put to work. I'm so hoping that we see action that that follows the the much-needed voice of protest and reform. Now let's see action. Let's see grace get to work, rolling up sleeves and doing what needs to be done to bring about the change needed in our city, in our country, in our church, in our families, in our nation, in our world. So as I continue uh, sharing this morning, let me just uh, continue to ask you, if you think about how you've seen grace at work and how you'd like to see grace at work, just offer those in the chat room. Well, St. Paul battled what he called his thorn in the flesh, and Paul begged the Lord to take this thorn from him. 
But the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, when you think about it, grace gives room to breathe and to grow. It allows life to emerge and to reemerge after repentance and restoration. The grace of Jesus reaches through us to bring his kindness and mercy to the world. Grace cuts through the hatred and the violence. It cuts through the performance-based value system that dehumanizes. Grace lifts up rather than pushes down. It is grace that allows us to get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, and allows us to go to a place of release and pardon and mercy. No wonder they call it amazing grace. No wonder they say it has a sweet sound that saved a wretch like me. It seems faint at times, I know. But I see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit dancing over our world, working and weaving and willing a new creation through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to the passage in Genesis. There's a beautiful image here. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The idea here is hovering over the waters like a mother bird hovers over a nest, gathering her little ones in the nest and caring for them and protecting them. Alan, will you put up that picture? Here are some new neighbors in Old Town. They just arrived this spring. Uh, You can see they're, they're so cute. And I see them most every morning as I walk along the river. Well, one morning I really wanted to get a a picture of the, the duck and the ducklings. And I got a little close. And the mother started quacking and squawking, so I backed off. But that's that mother protecting her, her little ducklings and, and, and giving them all they need. Last week we talked about one aspect of the Holy Spirit is this idea of unity. The Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the church around the world, making us one family as the children of God. Again, Paul said we are members of one body. We have one Lord and one baptism. Could it be that God the Holy Spirit will work to redeem this awful, painful time and use it to call us to a season of oneness that the Spirit so desperately desires for His church? A friend posted this on Facebook, this picture of this woman. And for me, that picture represents the protection and the care and the unifying power that that God brings to our world, the unifying power of the Holy Spirit through the church, protecting one another and caring for one another, giving dignity to every person. May it be so, Holy Spirit. May it be so. Come and hover over this world you love. Gather us into your loving nest and bring us to the place where we see our common humanity. I shared during our special time of prayer this past week that I would like for our church to to take the posture during this time in our nation of lament and of listening and learning as we navigate this journey. In the next few weeks, you'll hear about opportunities for us to all go to that place where we would listen to our brothers and sisters of color and learn from the experience. We would go to that place where we will listen and learn from the Holy Spirit, rooting out the sins of pride racism and bigotry that keeps us from being one. Let's all go to that place where we open our lives to the fellowship and the work of the Holy Spirit working and nudging us into the sweet unity 
that the Spirit desires. It has been a hard year, has it not? 2020 has been hard. Let us not deny how hard and painful it has been. And yes, yes, let us see the hope that beckons us forward to a new future and a new way of being. I see it. I see it in the sacred dance of the Trinity, recreating, restoring, and renewing this world the way that God intended it to be. May the love of God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit work and move without hindrance in each one of our lives, in our church, in our city, and in our world. And all God's people at home said amen, and all God's people in the room said amen.